heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Through the course of the 2020 election, and even surely in the 2016 election, when Hillary Clinton was that election with her and Donald Trump, and then the one that we just experienced in 2020. I heard the words a great deal from a lot of people in my inner circle and outside of that. And I don't know if you heard these words, but I, I want to share them with you. And you you let me know if you've heard uh, how many times I heard this. People would say to me, God is in control. And, and they would say, don't worry about it, Malcolm. God is in control here. And I heard that so many times through those last couple of elections. And like, so that was like, so, okay. So if that was the case in this whole election cycle, and I would breathe a sigh of relief and say, wow, oh, okay. Well, we don't really have to do too much then. It's all good in the city, right? Yeah. We could just sit back and just relax on this one. He's got it. He's going to win the election for for conservatives, for Christians, and it start, I started really thinking about that really over the last eight, nine years, truth be told, and wondering about this business of God being in control. And, and I really started to break it down in my mind, my fellow Americans, and thinking, okay, now let, let's think about this a minute. And in, in my simple way of looking at things, I, I think it this way, you know. So, all right, God gave us all free will to make these decisions in our lives. I mean, that's what we have. We have brains, we have, we have the, the power of choice, right? Just like that Robert Frost uh, poem, you get to the fork in the road and you got to make that choice, right? Isn't that what it is? We have choice. We have free will. Now, listen, as human beings, we're flawed. We don't always make those decisions. And in hindsight, we always know that when we look back as well, don't we? We always say, well, oh, I wish I had done that differently. And of course, you really can't live in the past either. You have to live in today's moment. You don't really want to live in the past and you don't want to live in the future. You want to live in the present moment. That's important. And that's hard to do sometimes, people. Really hard to do. Because you're worried about everything that happened and you're worried about where you're headed up the highway here, you know, what's happening just ahead. So it's a real challenge to live in the moment. If you can live in the moment, that's a beautiful thing. It actually will empower you to do great things, I believe. If we can do right now what feels the right thing, because we all really don't know how many days we have on God's green earth here, do we? We don't know what time we have on this planet or how long this mission is. I look at it as a mission. That's what I look at this life as a mission. That's why I always say to you, thank you for joining me on the mission. There's a lot we have to get done here is what I'm suggesting to you, you know. But just start looking at these numbers and you see where the country is headed. Now you see the recent developments of our nation and again, depending on where your ideology is and how you really believe, and then you wonder, are we headed in the right direction? Well, it depends if you're looking for a socialist utopia, a Marxist future. If that's what you want, you're probably headed in the proper direction. 
if you want to just sit at home and relax and enjoy and not worry about until you hear the, the, the boots coming down the street in your neighborhood, then you're probably in pretty good shape. But of course, that's not what this country was founded on, was it, my fellow Americans? It was not at all. We were founded on a different principle, sir, right? and that freedom of choice, that freedom of independence, that, that point of exceptionalism, the American spirit that is so vital to this nation, the, the nation that it is, different than anything else in mankind. A moment in time, if you will, American exceptionalism. Welcome to the program here to the Voice of a Nation. This is Malcolm Out Loud. It's always only one voice like mine, right, on the, on, on the planet here. Only one Malcolm Out Loud, for sure. Very special program here today, indeed. I'm going to introduce you in a moment to Dr. Stephen LaTulip. He's an MD, very interesting fellow. What a terrific, and I'm going to read you his background because it is most impressive. Uh, and a very interesting fella, new on the platform here, has a new program out on the weekends I'll tell you about. Very, very cool. Team Nation is here as well. Dr. Lee for America, uh, Kathy Chamberlain, uh, uh, part of our Team Nation, they will be here as well. I look forward to having a great conversation today with you, my friends. And let's, let's spread the, 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 the truth out there, the out loud truth across America from sea to shine and sea here as we welcome you into the program here. Well, let me tell you right now about Dr. Stephen Latula, please. He's a physician, board certified in family medicine. Now, if that's not enough, and it would be for many people, he's also a retired United States Air Force officer. And if that's not enough for you, he also is a Bible college and seminary trained ordained minister. What a great guy to have in this conversation, huh? And so that kind of tells you. Now, his medical practice focused on pain and addiction medicine. Uh, it, very, very interesting. He was. Um, he, he later served. He was saying here, chief of medicine in the Oregon uh, Air National Guard. Uh, he has a new program on uh, America. I am very proud and pleased to tell you about right now. It's called Unity Without Compromise. It is, it is also the title of his book, by the way, which is in the America Outlaw Bookstore, available at any book uh, uh, place you buy books, of course. Uh, and uh, so Unity Without Compromise, the show, plays on uh, Saturday and Sunday on the weekends here on America Outlaw Talk Radio. And easy to remember because it plays at noon. Catch it at noontime straight up. And there is an encore a little bit later in the day at 5 p.m. as well, by the way. Uh, get behind him, support his message. He's got an interesting story we won't get into today, but you'll hear that on this program and his write-ins as well. He's a, you'll see his columns on the, on the platform as well. But he, he has uh, st stood in the face of the enemy. And I will tell you real briefly, uh, he's uh, uh, been in a, uh, a lifetime brawl now, it seems like, but that has uh, surfaced with the Oregon um, Medical Board there in Oregon in the state. And they have uh, disbarred him, tried to pull him, uh, go after his license, which is what they do when you tell the truth. And they didn't like his truth. This was all about COVID now. This is the political nature of COVID and, uh, and all of that. Let me welcome him to the show here now, Dr. Stephen Latula. Thank you very much, Malcolm. It is great to be here. Malcolm, I, I have to surprise you with something. Uh, I am a Christian, as you know, and I am also one of those Christians who not only believes I walk on water, but I have to tell you, I actually have walked on water many times, uh, but it has to be frozen. 
<laughs> so I like that. I like that. All right. All right. Oh, that's good. You know, I did that as a kid as well. Many, many times. I remember I skated and that kind of thing. Um, well, you got the point of my, 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 my sermon there. Did you? Absolutely. I did. And is God in control? Absolutely. He most certainly is. Uh, and, uh, we are told, actually, when we read through the book of Revelation, that the person who reads that book is blessed. And the, the word blessed in the Greek is makarios, and it means happy. Uh, and we can feel happy when we read the book of Revelation, because we actually do see that God is, in fact, in control. However, pity the poor Christian who thinks that the fact that God is ultimately in control mm -hmm. is excusing us from all action, because the truth is throughout the entire Bible, we see anything but that. Inaction is mm -hmm. evil. It is yeah. not something Well, and we'll good. talk about that. Uh, now, if this, if this, uh, you talk about revelations. Now, let, let me say this to you, uh, Dr. Lotulov. If this is all sort of a plan, like a plot that's playing out, a grand mission, and like whatever's going to happen is going to happen, no matter what, which is what a lot of people believe, actually. That In other words, we can't change the outcome. That, and this is important here, that we can't change the outcome. So the question I start with with you, can we change the outcome? The answer is yes, we can most certainly change the outcome. And in fact, we are commanded to do all that we can to change the outcome. Uh, we can pray. And how many times have we seen throughout the scriptures that when people prayed to God, God changed his mind. And to think that one person can change the mind of God from doing something that he otherwise would have done is just amazing. And I believe that God allows us to change his mind for the very reason that you cited. God has given us a free will. When God tells us whosoever will, that means that we have a choice and the choice must be made. It cannot be avoided. Everybody alive makes a choice to accept or to reject the word of God. And when we accept the word of God, things happen. If we are a person of faith, a Christian, that implies action. And that also mm -hmm. is something that we find throughout the entirety of scriptures. Okay. All right. So do you believe that in 2016, serious question, do you believe it was God's plan to have Donald Trump win that election over Hillary Clinton? Or did mankind make that victory happen? Well, <clears throat> I would say God certainly had an influence on it in that he has given us his written word, but there is no doubt that Donald Trump was elected because people got out and voted him in. It's just plain and simple. So, okay. So it, it, it might've been God's plan, but the people had to make it happen. Right. Right. Uh, now. Absolutely. Absolutely. It takes action on the part of people to bring about change somebody is going to act. The actors are on one of two sides, good or evil. Mm -mm, I and like as that. The old saying goes, yes, if we, if we 
choose as good people to do nothing, then evil will prevail. And that's exactly what we are seeing in this time. Amen. Amen to that. Everybody hear those words, because that is the most truthful thing you will hear. And evil, it's out to attack us every chance it can. Uh, it, it has. It does. It does. It is. It will. Uh, it has always been after me, but uh, it doesn't have a shot with me. It tries, but I just, you know, I'm too principally driven. I'm a hard head. I'm pretty thick headed and I'm not really going to bend on principle. I kind of am not for sale in those particular areas. So you're not going to get to me based on that. And that's kind of what it is. Um, now, 2020, you know where I'm going with this, Dr. Latoodle. Let's go to 2020. Was it God's okay. plan? Was it God's plan for... Joe Biden to win that election over Donald Trump, or did did mankind, did Americans make that happen? Who, what, what is it? Well, what we see is the exact same thing uh, in a sense that we saw in 2016. People got out and voted. Uh, I am certainly of the mindset that the election was stolen. I believe that President Trump was elected. However, I believe that uh, the power of evil overcame the power of good. So stop there. Stop there. Now, why didn't God fix that? Right. Tell, talk right that point. Don't go further. Tell me why didn't God fix it? If God's in control, please tell me why didn't he fix that? It's very simple. God did not fix that because God is so all powerful that he can yield his own will to our free will and he expects us to be responsible and to take action. I believe that everything that is happening in America right now, the moral decay, uh, the complete slide on the slippery slope to where we have rejected God as a nation has its consequences. And we are now facing that. And I hope that it will be a wake up call to Christians and to patriots uh, so that they might be able to stand up and say, we need to do something. We need to do more. Otherwise, we shall be a nation of free people no longer. Yeah, I, you know, I, I am really impressed with you so far because I was trying to throw you a few curveballs. You know that to see what would happen here. And man, you are on it. Uh, you are on it. And because when you really break down, is God in control and you break down free will, and then you look at the big picture, Dr. Latula, people take that out of context in, you know, is God in control, meaning it's a point of inaction. There are a lot of people uh, really sitting in the back seat of the car. And of course, the car is all over the road as it drives up the boulevard of life. And they can't get their hand on the wheel because they've elected themselves to sit in the back seat. Now, truth be told, Dr. Latula, I've never been a good character to sit in the back seat of any car. Number one, I got car sick as a young boy and still do today with motion sickness. So, of course, my father wasn't happy about that, but I always had to sit in the front seat as a young boy. And I never did. And maybe that's why I had this kind of a, a thought process in my mind that, you know, I always had to be in the front seat. Uh, and I never was a backseat driver kind of thing or sit in the back seat. And then as a young lad, I realized my mission in life thought, okay, I'm sort of a control person. I got to kind of control the ship and I got to make it happen. And I'm on a mission. And I've got, this is kind of when I was like 14, 15 years old, I was discovering that. But I was always a kind of a front seat kind of guy, had to be in the front seat. Now I'm looking at it in life and wondering, well, isn't that interesting how I even at a young boy knew I had to be in the front seat? 
Now, maybe psych, you know, maybe psychologically, I had to have my hand on the wheel at all times or be able to grab the wheel that I wasn't going to leave my chance or choice of life to some third party. Does that make any sense? Uh, Malcolm, that makes perfectly good sense. And I'm chuckling to myself as I'm listening to you. I think of my flying days. Uh, I live here in uh, West Salem, Oregon, and I no longer have a private airplane, but I did. I sold it a few years ago because I got too busy. But there was a little airport out in Pacific City, and uh, it is crazy windy, and it never failed it on short final uh, the winds would blow horrendously, and right at the critical phase of flight, uh, just before landing, that airport, with all its characteristics, always tried to make me a passenger. And I insisted that this was a great airport to train at because I refused to become a passenger. And likewise, the backseat analogy. Uh, I just finished up uh, not too long ago over a week's uh, uh, time of hearings with the Oregon Medical Board. And my goal uh, during that time, seeing the evil that they were presenting to me to overthrow my exposure of their evil, uh, made me insist that I had to do everything I could do as a Christian, as a righteous person, to put those people in the back seat. I had to become the driver, and that's what I sought to do. Now, if every Christian took that stance that you have taken and said, I refuse to be a backseat driver, or worse yet, just a passenger and let it all happen, then we are doomed. We, we are doomed, yeah. And many people would believe we are doomed at that point. Now, stay right there, Dr. Latulip. Be right back with you. I want to bring in Dr. Lee for America here a moment here. Uh, and um, Dr. Lee, uh, you know, the, these opening remarks we're talking about, it's a, it's a big story here. It's, it's God in control, we're suggesting. And, and I love the comeback that Dr. Latulip had. We're talking about free will. But what is your, uh, the cliff note, what is your the summary version of these opening remarks about this talk? Oh, Malcolm, I loved what Dr. Latulip had to say. I, <laughs> I grew up with a mother who said, okay, God can't steer a parked car, so you got to get in and drive it. <laughs> and, and, and I, I really believe strongly that this idea that we can just sit back and say, oh, well, I'm praying God is in control, and, and I'm a good Christian, and God's in control. And by the way, I don't like the way Donald Trump talks, so I'm not going to sit vote for him. I'm going to sit home at this election, which I heard ad nauseum during the 2016 election mm -hmm. with, and we lost 25 million evangelical Christians who didn't even vote in that election. And I'm gonna tell you, our founders believed that the hand of Providence guided their inspiration and their vision for this country and their insights and their wisdom, but by God, they were out there standing and speaking and fighting and standing up to the forces of oppression and evil. They risked their fortunes. They risked their honor. They risked their very lives signing that Declaration of Independence. And those were some of my yeah. own personal ancestors. Yeah. So yeah. we have to do our part. And they carried out the very message of the Epistle of James who said, 
faith without works is a dead faith. Mm-hmm. And to sit back and do nothing in the face of evil allows evil to take over. And in many ways, as an extension of what Dr. Tulip just said right. about the last election, I don't think it was that Americans elected Joe Biden. I think it's very clear that foreign intervention, China, Iran, there've been lots of documentation and evidence to show that the election was hacked real time. Right, right, right. And that happened. But, but quite frankly, I think it also happens mm-hmm. because we as conservatives get torn apart by our divisions. The Democrats don't do that. They have their, their divisions, but they lock arms and they move forward. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's that's exactly it. Now, let me get Kathy Chamberlain in here. Kathy, before we pause, I want to get your input as well. Uh, So with what uh, Dr. Lee puts out there with that last election, why then, uh, you know, a lot of the evangelicals who did not vote and we seen what happened because had everybody really played their stake in the game. I have to believe that the forces of good would have overpowered the forces of evil and Donald Trump would have been reelected to another four years and we would have been able to rebuild some things that would have been far more prosperous to this nation. But that did not happen. So why didn't God intervene in the last election? Do you really believe, Kathy, as a as a student of the political game? Why? Well, as uh, uh, Dr. Latulip uh, said, we have free will. Um, and this, I love this discussion. It drew, it drew me right back to uh, back when I was a contractor, a building contractor. And um, I wouldn't have told you back then uh, that God was in control. But today, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um, because uh, I, I ended up falling off my ladder and it, it changed my entire life. Um, I loved what I was doing, but um, laying in bed recuperating after breaking my back and both my wrists, I got to tell you, I could have taken the victim um, stance and, uh, and simply did nothing while I was watching the evil being perpetrated against President Trump on uh, Fox News day in and day out. <laughs> That's all I had to do. And instead, it just, it, it spurred me to action. Um, and I wasn't ready. I mean, for eight months, I, I, I really yeah. took me to recuperate, but I wasn't ready myself to write my book. And then I did. did. And me, it's up to each one of us. I don't think the American people at that time were ready uh, and that is why we saw what happened. Yeah, in- that is a point. Are we ready or are we not ready? What year did that happen, Kathy? Uh, that was 2017. That's what I thought you'd said before. Yeah. So that was recent times. And, and I, I, I sort of get it then. But, you know, it is remarkable how, and this is so true, though, the decisions in our lives, how one moment, one incident in your case, one event, Kathy, one trauma, if you will, but even a decision we might make, how it can, it will, not can, it will dramatically change our lives. I mean, just those little things, and you don't even realize it at the time, how much that will change our lives, but it's a point of reference for all of us to understand how those things will happen. I guess in a lot of ways, my friends, uh, today's message is about, about, uh, all of us stepping up 
uh, stepping up uh, independently in, in our own minds for the truth, uh, but also as a collective group uh, to save our nation uh, in this remarkable fight uh, against uh, evil forces that are truly trying to take uh, this nation down. Uh, this has been building for a lot of years. This didn't happen uh, yesterday. Uh, what's taking place right now, it is remarkable as you see these events play out. I say to you all the time, we're living in historical moments of time. Uh, this is clearly what it is. It, it, no matter what we think about the current events, we really are blessed because we have an opportunity and to put our, uh, we, we have stake in the game, in other words, our hand in the game here and of life, uh, the game of life. And it, it, you know, there are a lot of times we could have been born, but we're here right now. So the question I pose to you is, are you going to be involved in the game of life or are you going to be in, on the sidelines? And that's, that's the overarching message we have to drive out to all those people out there across our great nation. We have to draw them to action. That's really the whole purpose and mission of our network at America Out Loud and certainly the purpose of Malcolm's mission and the work I do here on the voice of a nation. Uh, it is absolutely all of that. So it, that's, you know, it is a mission. I, I've said that to you so many times, you've heard me say that, the mission we're on and always thank you for being on that mission, right? It's what we have to do as a people. So. Um, I want to tell you that story. We're going to take a pause here. And I want to tell you that story when we get back and open it back up here. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw this little quandary in this story at uh, Dr. Stephen LaTulip and Team Nation uh, just after this pause. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of America Out Loud. Com. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. 
created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Five incredible years and we're just getting started. Well, they say time flies when you're having fun. Well, it also flies by when you're on a mission of love. Love of country, that is. Well, our goal is to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. You can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. We are back with you on the voice of a nation here. This is Malcolm Out Loud. We're here with Dr. Stephen Latula. We're here with Dr. Lee for America, Kathy Chamberlain, Team Nation. And, uh, you know, we're having this conversation about is God in control? Uh, and uh, But uh, listen, I want to tell you this story that was faced with me just recently. And uh, it, it, uh, it it's probably a conversation, you know, well, you know how sometimes you say these things and you're blurted out and maybe you understand what I mean, maybe you don't. I call it just being out loud, which is being truthful. Sometimes you say something and people say, did he really say that? Or did she really say that? Or, well, that was just their inner mind. See, a lot of people don't express their inner thoughts out. They don't get out loud with their inner thoughts. I learned that again back in the boardrooms uh, in my business career that, uh, it is best to be truthful and open. And so I never really had a hidden agenda. My agenda was out in the open, whatever it might be. And I just thought it was a better way to do business or the way to the best way to engage people is the point of authenticity. Why be a phony in this life? I mean, we, we, why not be authentic and original? And some of people are not going to like that, but that's okay. You're not here to please everybody, are you? Of course not. You're here to be the best individual you can. So I was on the phone. I was on a phone call with a, a gentleman that I did not know well at all, but he was considering and wanted to see about bringing a show to the network. The guy was on YouTube. I will not be using names on any of this. I never use names to protect the innocent or the guilty, by the way. But he was a YouTube guy and wanted to bring a show to the network. I was on a call with him. Uh, I did not know the man well at all, but it seemed like a really stand up sort of fellow. And um, he invited another lady to be on the call who he had done some collaboration with. Um, a very interesting lady, of course, yeah, and very much. Um, and, uh, and I did not know her at all just through social media. You know how you engage with people on social media, but you really don't know them, but you think you kind of do know them, but you don't. Well, I know them even less because I don't have a lot of time to spend on social media. Very, very limited seconds. So I'm on this call and we're talking about, you know, <clears throat> him possibly moving a show and doing something with the network. And it, it was just a fact finding 
talk. And so <clears throat> the conversation comes up and it's out, it's out on the table about God being in control. Now, these are both very, uh, I want to say very Christian type people. And, but, and I, and I, I you know, I, I, you can't judge people when you really don't know them. My, my interpretation of her, the invited guest into the show, which again, I did not really, into the call rather, that I did not know her, was that she probably could fall under the guise of what I would call the religious fanatic. Now, again, I, I, I'm not trying to say that to, to discredit her or anything else. I know it doesn't sound nice, but that would have been the impression I, I would have had um, for a lot of reasons. I came to that conclusion early on in the conversation as we were talking, just, you know, and it, it came up about uh, uh, God being in control and I just and where it was headed, like it was all about the election and don't worry about it. It was they were kind of laughing sort of in a sarcastic or, a, or maybe it wasn't even sarcastic. Maybe it's just a fun kind of laugh. I don't know. I took it as a little sarcastic, but like, don't worry about it. The country's fine. And this is, of course, you know, as we're losing elections and starting to turn communist and everything is peeling apart and you feel like your soul is being burnt and you feel like, OK, well, God wants me to do something here doesn't he? I mean, am I supposed to do something? And so as that conversation was out there, it was like, don't worry about it, Malcolm. We're talking about the urgency. The Well, you know what? The urgency of the moment. And and so I I, I blurted out people. You know, I did it. I blurted it out on that phone call with, with the two people on there. And I said, listen, I said, God is not in control here. And oh my God, the phone went silent. And as soon as I blurted it out, I knew I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> was one of those out loud moments where you say, I probably shouldn't have said that. But it was a, it was a moment to get their attention because they were going down this path of, you know, holding hands, kumbaya, and everything, you know, is good in the neighborhood. And it really started to annoy the hell out of me, quite frankly. So I said, no, God is not in control of all this. He's not losing elections. He's not throwing us to the wolves. We're not that. No, we, we got to get out and vote. We got to make it happen. Why do you people come up? What are you doing here? And I had this quick, you know, and phone was silent. And she was like a gas. She was like, I mean, it's hard to make the noise she made. It was like a wounded animal almost. Like, <gasps> it was one of those noises, like, you know, like something went through her heart. And I thought, oh boy, did I do a job here now? Wow, what have I got myself into? So from that point, anyway, so I, we, the, the call ended fairly quickly after that, as I, as I know. And, and uh, it's, it's all a bit of a blur now. But uh, let's just say that uh, they won't be looking Mr. Out Loud up anytime soon when it comes to any of these topics. So back to the program here on The Voice of a Nation. I certainly got their attention, Dr. Latula, but I certainly got their attention with that point. But, you know, I got a little tired, quite frankly, of people telling me that God was in control of this disaster on aisle three and he was going to come out after us and clean up. And we didn't really have to worry about it because you know, back to the backseat analysis we made in the first part of the conversation here and that, you know, we didn't really have to worry about it that he had it all figured out and it was sort of a ha 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 and it really started to get at my soul and bothered me uh, do you see why i said what i said or did i really or was that a stupid thing to say well malcolm uh, i think as you said you spoke out loud and you spoke from the heart and i always appreciate that uh, if we look at john 16 33 jesus is speaking and he says 
in the world, you will have tribulation. So that's a fact that we all know. But Jesus also said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So when we look at the culminating point in the history of mankind, we see that it happens at the cross, and we had the victory over sin at that point. However, the end of the world and that final great judgment day is yet to come. And guess what? We will have tribulation. And I think what you said uh, is true in the sense that God may very well be in control. God is in control in the sense that he has yielded his control. And so it's kind of a camouflage statement. When a Christian says God is in control, uh, oftentimes what I see is that it's just a poor excuse for inaction by Christians. And Okay, uh, stop there. Back... You, you just solved the whole puzzle. Let's all stop the program and go home, uh, Dr. Lotulop. Okay, you just said it right there. Okay. You just said it. There's nothing more to really talk about. It's all done. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there it is right there. You just put it out there. And the point of inaction and, and all of that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So if, if I can take us back to the book of Revelation now, realize that the book of Revelation uh, has some apocalyptic literature in it, which means that a large portion of the book is very figurative and symbolic. Uh, there are many Christians out there who would not accept that, and, say, and they would say it's all to be taken literally. That is just poor interpretation. But if you look at Revelation 1, chapters 1 through 3, what we see is the historical part of the book of Revelation. It was a letter to the seven churches in Asia, and these churches existed, and the book of Revelation uh, is writing to the seven churches, and each time God says, I know your works. He doesn't say, I know your thoughts. He says, I, I, I don't, uh, I, he doesn't say, I know your intent, but I know your works, and all but one of those churches uh, have compromised their works. Uh, the, for example, the church at Ephesus left their first love. The church at Pergamos is tolerating false teaching, poor doctrine. And here's the big one. The church at Laodicea is told you are lukewarm. And Jesus says, I would rather spew you out of my mouth for being lukewarm. He implies that we must take action. We must do something. And we see that throughout scripture. We are told, in fact, that regard, with regard to Christians, you will know them by their fruits. And fruits implies action. In the book of James, James says, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. And when you go back to Revelation, after each church is addressed, we are warned that he who overcomes will inherit the kingdom of God and be, and, and the act of overcoming implies action. So if we as Christians think we can sit back and watch it all happen, we are as deceived as are those churches in Asia okay. that are told. You make me feel better because that was my point to try to get, maybe I wasn't as eloquent as uh, you had been on the call when I shocked them with that point of view, but it was to, I guess, you know, I look at it, Dr. Latourup, a lot of the times, I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I get to the point real quickly, try to, <laughs> try to, try to always remain a gentleman. I don't always succeed at it, but I certainly do try. You said a couple of key words there, lukewarm, with the churches, lukewarm, and that was an indecision. You know, I what I was hearing a lot through the election cycle 
was this, was this, was, was, and this, this really disturbs me. I heard this a lot where Christians, evangelicals, people out there were waiting on a miracle. They, they were not only waiting on a miracle in the last election, they really thought that that miracle was happening. That in other words, there was no way, and I heard it many times from the same people, here's what I would say to you. The same people who would say to me that God is totally in control, don't worry about it, Trump is gonna win. And they're waiting on a miracle. And then they say, well, it, it's gonna win. And then when that miracle didn't happen, and it went the other way for inaction, for lukewarm, for indecision, for all of the things, or for the fact that people blankedly think that God is going to win the next election and you can sit in the back seat of the car. Those same people came out later, back to your point, and say, well, he, you know, Joe Biden was supposed to win it. Don't worry about it. God is still in control. But, you know, but you put it out there better in the way that, well, sure, God is in control, but he sometimes gives that decision back to mankind to make that it becomes our decision with free will. Are we going to, what are we going to do? Are we, you know, are we going to prolong the agony? Are we going to get to the point? Are we going to come to a conclusion? Are we going to fight for good? Are we, are we going to take up Satan's uh, cause here? I guess, right? Make any sense? It makes good sense to me. Uh, we are in the process of overcoming evil. We are in a fight between good and evil, and we That's must right. take action. Otherwise, we are hearers only, and we are deceiving ourselves. Yeah, we, we, we surely are deceiving ourselves, and a lot of people are deceiving themselves out there with this point that God has it all figured out. And I, I suggest to you today that, you know, sure, there, there may be, you know what a lot of it too is, Dr. Latula, this grand plan, you, when you speak about revelations, that it's all in the book. And when we come to those tri tribulations and that, you know, because at that point in time, I, I think if you really look at it, it, it and you tell me, you, you, you know, you, the, the interpretation of the Bible is something you, you've studied very, very well. But this point that America really isn't here active in the standing at that moment, is it? Uh, that is a fact. It's uh, when, you know, when you go to the, uh, to the passages of scripture where we hear the end of the story, when, when the Lord comes back, he will come for judgment. Mm -hmm. And he says uh, in Matthew 25, he talks about uh, when he comes back to judge, he says uh, uh, to some people, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was in prison. And you did something. And that, again, implies action. And Jesus called these people who did something righteous. But then right after that, he says, and he's talking about separating the sheep from the goats. He states, when I was hungry and I was thirsty and I was a stranger and you did not feed me, you did not give me something to drink. You did not take me in. You did not clothe me. You did not visit me in prison. You did nothing. And look at what he says to those people who took no action. These are the unrighteous, and he says that they will be cast away from him. So uh, for Christians to think that they can just literally sit on the fence and do nothing, they are totally deceived. They are not warriors for Christ. They are not in the fight between good mm -hmm. and evil. Right, right. And that makes them fall on the side of evil. Yeah, because what will happen is if they uh, stay at the point of indecision and on the sidelines, as you say, uh, that's going to elevate and uh, expedite the end game, isn't it? 
it will. And uh, to ignore what is happening right now is to invite the loss of our freedom at a very, very rapid pace. pace. It could happen practically overnight. Yeah, well, and it, that's exactly where we seem to be. Um, what do you, uh, you know, I've often seen this and it always bothered me uh, as a young man, but in the plan that America is not standing at that point. As I read and I understood it, the word was, and I just said that to you moments ago, that America is not standing at that point. Now, when you look at what's happening right now and uh, where America is trying to be taken down, and I've had these talks with people throughout Europe. I've had these talks with really some other uh, terrific uh, Christian uh, professors and people who, who know this word. And, and um, you know, and, and I'm wondering, uh, is this, and people are wondering rather, is this that, mo- I mean, we really don't know Dr. Latula, but is this that moment in time and I guess back to the expedited plan versus, you know, being an active participant of the game or how do we stop that end game off? And are we supposed to stop that end game off? And this is really tricky. Uh, the lay of the land here, what I put out there with you, it's not an easy conversation to have because we I don't know that we really have the answers to this. We can only look at the way we interpret, again, the interpretation of the Bible. What do you say to all that? And I'm speaking specifically of America being taken down, America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, the Georgeo-Christian nation, the American experiment and all that it is, is no longer here in standing, right? Is that, that's the game plan, isn't it? Well, I believe it is. Uh, The bottom line, and I have stated this uh, throughout everything I have uh, fought uh, as far as taking a stand for our nation for Christianity. The bottom line is that if we reject the word of God, then we reject everything that America stands for. America was founded on biblical principles. Our founding fathers of this country were definitely inspired by the words of scripture. And out of that inspiration and their belief in the highest standard that could ever exist, we saw the greatest, uh, the greatest literature, uh, man-made literature ever to be found in the world. And that includes the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. And if we let go of the Bible and let go of our Judeo-Christian principles, then we are awash. We will no longer be the beacon of light to the world. So we have everything at stake. And t- We simply cannot sit by and watch America crumble, or we will forever live in our guilt and our shame for doing so. Yeah. Uh, Kathy uh, Chamberlain, um, this whole conversation about uh, what I pose out there, and, you you know, it's a kind of conversation when you talk about America and did it fall as a, you know, it's a conversation most people don't want to have because it, you know, when you tie current day politics to the Bible and you see the plan, there's a lot we don't know, but there's a lot we do know. What do you take out of that? Well, this conversation is so powerful for me. I I can't even tell you. Um, And I like what I just heard you all say about inaction and that sort of thing. And it just so happens. Uh, By the way, I am not, I don't consider myself a religious person at all. Um, spiritual, absolutely. 
But um, I just ran across recently, you know how they have those memories on Facebook, oh, you wrote this so-and-so ago. I just uh, popped up a, a post that I wrote five years ago, and it's so relevant to what we're talking about. And I said, I just read Thessalonians 3.10, quote, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And then I went on to say, if you are with Bernie Sanders and his socialist agenda, you cannot also be with Jesus or God. That is a fact. <laughs> I wanted to get the doctor's take on what I posted there in, in relation to what we're talking about. Well, let's have him answer. Dr. Lotulop, what do you say to that? Well, uh, uh, I believe what you're saying is very true. God is saying that um, pretty much what James was saying. James said that he says, you know, you say you have faith, but you have no works. And James says, well, I have faith and I demonstrate my faith by my works. Uh, for this reason, actually, the book of James was considered a right straw epistle. It was the last uh, letter to be uh, accepted into the uh, canon of scripture. Uh, but I think what you're saying is very true that uh, if somebody doesn't want to eat, then let them starve. Because if they are capable of providing for themselves, then they ought to do that. We were put on this earth uh, with the intent of living forever. That was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. But when sin entered the world, we have since lived in a fallen world. And a part of the curse of that sin in a fallen world is that we endure, we strive, we work, because we are forever in that battle for evil. So to do nothing uh, and to reward nothingness as our government is doing is a grave mistake. And it only perpetuates um, the insanity of idleness and a lack of productivity. And that can be applied both to Christians and to non-Christians. Uh, this is a big problem with our government because everyone is being given a free hand in these days. And it is at the expense of those of us who have been working our hind ends off to make ends meet and to pay our taxes, which are ever increasing. Uh, everybody must pull their load. So I completely agree with you, Kathy. What do you see, Dr. Lotulup, with, uh, with this indecision and inaction we have, um, and we look at uh, the movement, the movement of patriots and conservatives, uh, Christians, uh, I, I, you know, there are different groups within the group, but the movement of people who want to preserve America and who, who are fighting for that liberty uh, within all those groups, because we are a unique uh, nation. What do you believe is, um, how do we get those other folks to be, you know, so many didn't vote in the last election. I mean, millions and tens and tens and tens of millions of people don't vote at all. Um, we're probably not going to get all of these people's attention. But I think when you look at the people who are trying to participate in the game, and uh, as uh, it was said earlier, the amount, the amount and number of uh, evangelicals who did not vote in the last election would have costed the election. Had they all been active, it would have been a victory for, uh, for freedom, for liberty, and it was not. How do we get through to those people? 
that is a, a very difficult question. Uh, on this, in this day and age, we do have social media, uh, but the social media is largely working against us uh, because so many of us have been censored uh, by that. So how do we reach them? Um, the only real answer that I can give to you is the answer that I give to myself. Uh, when I start each day, how do I make a difference to influence people for good? Uh, and I specifically do that uh, in ways that people will see my actions. And again, it requires, demands action. When I go into a store, I don't wear a mask. I resist. And when I am confronted, I give a sound reason for why I am resisting. And ultimately, it comes back to a standard. A nation without a standard is subject to the whim of man in government, and that always leads to tyranny. So how do we reach people? Any way we can and every way we can. Uh, in the same way that we are told in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Literally, the word there, the perfect, uh, in the perfect tense of the, of the Greek, um, the word is, as you are going. So my answer is, I, I would take every opportunity everywhere I am to make a difference. I don't want to just get on a radio show and talk and call it good. I have to live the truth. I have to speak the truth and I have to be bold in doing so to show people that, hey, someone is willing to stand, take a stand for what is right. And in order to take a stand for what is right, we need the right standard. And that is where I say that the biblical standard must prevail in America. Mm. So that has been my focus. Yeah, Dr. Stephen Lotulip there. Um, you know, Dr. Lotulip is uh, a new voice um, on the network here, as you hear him here. Uh, remarkably, I'm very excited. Um, you know, when I look at his accomplishments over his career and in, in the face often as he is dealing with right now, the story of what's happening in Oregon is incredible story. In fact, go listen to his podcast. Those earlier shows he did are on podcast. If you want to hear the story about how these, this, these evil forces are trying to um, take him down and they, and they've, well, they've, They've removed his medical license. I mean, they have, and you see the accomplishments this man has accomplished right here. And it made me think, as he talked about the, the radio show, uh, the mission, uh, that's one of the reasons I was truly excited to have him um, participate in this movement uh, that is America Out Loud, was that it takes people that really can make a, a difference, that want to make a difference, and that will be, uh, call to action, call to action. And that's, you know, it's, so it's not good. It, like he said, it's not good enough just to be average or get by. What we really want is to succeed at every level, uh, which is really the whole mission here of the fight of good and evil and the fight of this platform, my, my fellow Americans. So uh, what an, what an incredible first hour, I believe uh, to really, and, you know, these things are, they're challenging at times to have these sort of awkward conversations uh, when there's not one conclusion, you know what I mean? A little edgy, a little controversial sometimes, 
but that's what great talk radio is actually. Uh, it, it, the whole concept of this medium that you're listening to right now is to get people to think. It, it really is. It's to get people to think and participate at a different level. Uh, that's, that's what we're talking about here right now. Um, and so I encourage you to do that. His show, Unity Without Compromise, please catch that on Saturday and the Sunday, noontime. And there's an encore at 5 p.m. later in the day. Just remember noontime, Saturday, Sunday. You'll hear him there. Uh, he speaks from the heart always, a very authentic um, man. And uh, his shows are on podcast. You can get it up on at americaroutloud.com under shows, Unity Without Compromise, his writings as well. Uh, we're going to follow very closely this story with Oregon uh, and what had happened. They have stepped over the line in doing what they did. A lot more to talk about there. But we'll keep you up to breast on that. But I wouldn't be surprised, my friends, to see that case. It should go to the Supreme Court, actually, the way they have tried to strip this man of his liberties and his profession uh, by doing the right thing and following science. It's a lot more to the story, but you get the picture of what I'm talking about. It's, it's a big story. So having said that, we're going to take a pause here. We'll be back with more in hour two just after this. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor, honor, honor. Our soul. soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You almost want to begin to define the word miracle, right? When people say, well, we're waiting for a miracle. And does a miracle kind of mean that you don't need to do anything to make the miracle happen, but just pray? Uh, well, you, you know, you, you cannot ever discount the power of prayer. And I'm not saying that we should ever do that as a people. Uh, never should we discount the power of prayer. And that's all of that, the, the power of prayer around the we're around the world, really, and a lot of times you have those, and you know, they, it's like a ripple effect around the world. And I've done that with folks throughout Europe, where we said, "Please pray for this, pray for that," and where the power of prayer can, and it really becomes kind of positive energy is another way to look at it. Positive energy can take over something and change the momentum of a situation. It's happened before in mankind, where positive energy will take over that 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 uh, bad uh, karma, and can change the. Uh, trajectory of um, of uh, what or the trajectory of what uh, takes place. Uh, welcome back to hour two here of the voice of a nation here. What a great talk there with Dr. Stephen LaTulip. Uh, you know, people like that, when you hear them, you just know they they choose their words very carefully, which I, I certainly respect. A little different than Malcolm out loud, very clearly, huh? I mean, but uh uh, I'm in the moment and I sort of flow with, with the moment, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, but if someone like that is very gracious and with his experience and knowledge, it is a blessing to have uh, this level of expertise uh, for sure on America Out Loud. We're talking today, my friends, is God in control? Now, I shared with you that conversation I had up front on the phone call with those two folks and they were stunned that I would say such a thing. Well, 
I like the way Dr. Latula put it out there. And, and, and let me bring you right back on right now, Kathy Chamberlain, and say this. And, and you know, I like the way Dr. Latulip responded to that when we talked about his God in control. Well, yes, in the big picture of things, he is in control. And Kathy, I believe that's accurate. I believe that's an accurate statement. But I, I really do. But beyond that, we still have a part in this and a mission. And, and also the way he referenced, do you remember how he said, well, but there are those times where God will relinquish that to mankind, which was, I think, all part of this experiment of mankind that God had put into place. But, you know, Kathy, to believe any of this, you, you first of all have to believe that, there, that God is in play here. There are a lot of people who think that we all happen here by accident. We're some sort of an organic experiment in the universe, you know, which is hard to wrap my mind around. But speak to that, please. Yes, I think usually it's a, a huge challenge or a crisis that wakes people up to uh, the ability to be able to accept um, that uh, there is a God um, or at least some energy out there that is, uh, that is you know, in control <laughs> at, at certain times of our lives. And one of the things you said earlier, Malcolm, about uh, before the election, there were so many people that were saying, oh, God has this, he's in control. I also heard that so many times when I'd be out speaking and people would say, why are you so worried about the election? Uh, he's going to win by landslide. And I always said the caveat, yeah, uh, that's only if there's no fraud. <laughs> um, and of course, that's exactly what played out. But I believe, and one, I was just fascinated by that first hour and what uh, the doctor had to say, because um, I really, it, it brought up, and as I said before, I'm not a religious person. I am spiritual, but, but of course, we all went through, you know, if we were brought up in religious households, we went through the um, the uh, uh, catechisms or w what have you. And, and I remembered he made, he, he brought my memory back to that one saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. And it really spurred something in me hearing him talk and hearing you speak. And yes, the truth is exactly what brings us to that way. And we, we just didn't have the truth enough. Uh, and that's what we're learning now. That's what, what, what we have to get out loud is the truth. Um, and I think that's really what's going on today. Well, a lot of people can't handle the truth, as Jack Nichol Nicholson said in the movie. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. And a lot of people can't. You know, the, the whole thing about the fraud you bring up in the election as well, uh, when people were saying, you're, you're right, how many times did you all out there hear that Donald Trump was going to win in a landslide? I mean, Kathy, we heard that a million times, didn't we? He's going to oh, win in a landslide, sure. right? Right. Landslide. And because, you know, let's face it, Joe was running this from his basement. It didn't look like a campaign. Uh, we knew all the accomplishments. We knew there was the big push and the COVID takedown of the country. There was a COVID takedown that was happening here, you know, politicizing the pandemic for all that it could be, politicizing a virus. I and mean, there have been viruses before mankind, but not to the likes of this one that they were going to politicize. And they're still politicizing it today, in fact, to take mankind down. Um, so you look at all of that and these people who thought there was going to legitimately be a landslide, 
and thought, and I think a lot of those people, Kathy, stayed home. They stayed on the sidelines. Certainly a lot of evangelicals did, a lot of Christians did. It was pointed out in the first hour, stayed home. A lot of those folks didn't engage. And a lot of people didn't vote. What do we say? About 160 million, I think, is the number I gave up front, Kathy, in the program. About yeah, 160 that's, million. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Now, if you figure out of 160 million, Kathy, and 330 plus uh, roughly on any given day, that's a lot of people who have already not voted. Th think about the difference of that. That's pretty stunning, isn't it? Like people don't even take the choice of voting as being a blessing, like a, a right, a liberty, a beautiful thing that we get the choice to pick the leaders of the country. Imagine out of 330 people, Kathy, what would happen is if we had, I'm just wondering if we had 300 million people come out and vote, what 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 that would look like? I, we'll never have that, but it's interesting to think of it that way, isn't it? Well, we have to look at the number that are actually registered or qualified to vote. Um, and that's, that's right. Not, that's not the 330 million, obviously. But no, I remember reading there was a, a, a large percentage of evangelicals that uh, stayed home. So that is really confounding to me, except that uh, they are absolutely there's a lot of people in our country who just stand on principle uh, overboard. And, you know, we're about ready to lose our country and they can't stand tweets. I mean, it really did boil down to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, or they believed that, uh, that, that president Trump was unpresidential. Well, they didn't like his personality, right? He was unpresidential. <laughs> well, yeah, Kathy, he was certainly, uh, listen, President Trump was definitely unpresidential by the book and the characteristics that they were looking for, because when you're a president, you are a part of the good old boys club. You understand? You know, yeah, of course, you have to play along to those political extremes. You have to you know, you have to follow the party line. You have to toe the party line. You, you can't say what's on your mind, whether it's on Twitter or otherwise can't do it. So on that basis. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, it was very clear that um, he's unpresidential. Uh, but well, at the same time, I think America was waiting for that, ready for that, Kathy. Absolutely. Uh, a good, at least a good percentage of us was one of the favorite stories I tell out on the road is, and this comes out of actually Saul Alinsky's book. He tells the story. I just retell it in my book. Um, but are you familiar with uh, Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox yeah, yeah. from the Revolutionary War? Okay, yeah. now this is so interesting and it really does. It's to me, it's the perfect analogy to uh, President Trump because uh, Francis Marion, he was very unliked. People felt like he was unchristian-like, that he was um, uh, that he was just a, a, a really bad guy because he fought with guerrilla tactics that were bef before that unseen, uh, and that just wasn't the principled way of fighting battles. But yet, uh, had it not been for him. Uh, we probably wouldn't have won the Revolutionary War. So the fact that he's called the Swamp Fox, I always I always likened him to uh, President Trump draining the swamp. And people look at uh, President Trump in the same way they looked at um, uh, Francis Marion back in the day. That is a great comparison and a point of history to put it in context, the Swamp Fox. Uh, well, there was the whole notion of draining the swamp that uh, Trump talked about early on. That was the whole mission. You know, how were we ever going to drain a swamp when, and that was the plan back in the 2020 election, when uh, 
the entire establishment was didn't go along. I mean, they obviously were never going to go along because they are the swamp. The establishment is the swamp. Uh, that's what they're known as. And when you have the bureaucracy and government and all of that and where we're at, I mean, it was a tall order from the very beginning back in 2020, uh, back in 2016, uh, and then through 2020, that Trump was ever going to be able to drain a swamp. And you reference the Swamp Fox. A lot of the people in these government agencies and bureaucracies, I mean, they're so steadfast in the way they do business. They're, well, they define the word bureaucrat, first of all, bureaucrat. And bureaucrats are empowered. Uh, and what's happening with our system is they're empowered with their ideology. The problem is the decisions they're making, they're not following the orders from the commander in chief at all. What they're doing is they're becoming reckless. Or better way to say it, people, is they've gone rogue. Now, when you look at our government agencies, many of those government agencies and heads of the government agencies, uh, certainly whether it be Comey is a blatant in your face example, but, you know, Gina Haspel, Christopher Ray, there are plenty of others throughout the entire FBI system. Uh, Page and Strzok, who were certainly engaged in all of these, uh, this, well, espionage that went on for sure. And, um, uh, Treason, I guess, be another way to put it, a coup d'etat uh, for sure, uh, because everything they did was to undermine uh, number 45 and to take the president ship, you know, take the presidency down. Uh, you know, and I, you get thinking about that more and more, the more you see Joe Biden play and you see how they've accomplished this. You know, if Trump is the swamp fox uh, and he was trying to take the swamp down, and you look at this last election and back to is God in control and the establishment, the swamp has risen. Now you wrap your mind around this people. How did they ever get the, uh, again, I know by hook or by crook, by fraud, by cyber threat. I mean, I know there's a litany list, which certainly Peter Navarro has pointed out more than once in his multi-level reports and did incredible work. Uh, that he did to present truthfulness. But with all that aside, they still pulled it off. They still pulled it all off at the end of the day. Do you realize that what they did here? I mean, you talk about what is that? Is that an act of God? Well, that can't be an act of God. Is that an act of Satan? Is there such a thing as an act of Satan? Good. Is that an act of Satan? How did they pull all that off? I mean, that's the swamp rising. That's the swamp monster rising right there. And, you know, now you remember how how unglued are we really right now? You think back to all this, the fiascos with Hillary Clinton. Think back to all of the, the you know, acid washing, washing uh, hard drives and hammering stuff. And, you know, things that anybody here listening to me or anybody in the planet here would be locked up for. And these people within the swamp get away with it all on a regular basis. But then you think about, you know, how many times did you hear me talk with military officials, uh, military leaders and political leaders? And they would say, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to have indictments very soon. Very, very soon they're coming. John Durham. And, you know, before before John Durham, right, it was Mueller. They, he was going to, you know, don't worry about it. We, we were going to get to some level of truth here. It would expose the unexposable. And so we're back to this fight of good and evil. You, you, you see what I'm, you know, so look at what had to happen. It's like a tidal wave. It's like, well, if you really think in the terms of what took place right now, 
it kind of, this may not be in right context for some people, but it, it's kind of what it's in my world. It kind of is when you think about all of this, it's kind of on the same level of what it would take to part the Red Sea. Now that is a moment in time, isn't it? And that is a fight of good and evil right there, isn't it? So God was in control there. They parted the Red Sea, right? Moses did his thing. We, we, you know, we saved mankind. Think about that in that context. Think about how, you know, it's interesting how Bible stories can play into political stories in today's world. But that was a moment in time. And now we have another moment in time in the year 2020 that we had, right? With all of these, the pandemics happening, all of this, these stuff uh, brewing under, just under the radar, you know, all of this coming up. So it's kind of a lot of ways I see it like the swamp rising and they were kicking back. At the same time, I had all these people in my ear over here professing to me, assuring me, telling me as I was sharing with you that don't worry about it. Not only as Kathy was just saying, will Trump win in a landslide they were believing? He's got this. Don't worry. We're going to win in a landslide here. It's definitely going to be Trump again. We Everybody believed that, truly. And many of us as Christians believe that good would prevail. It would take over evil. But that didn't happen, people. That was the whole impetus of this talk today when I invited Dr. Stephen Latula Bond and Team Nation to talk to you today. That was the impetus of this talk. What happened? It really befuddles me. And I was, I was on their phone call and on other conversations where people want to pass off the caveat that, well, God's in control. Don't worry about it. Go back home and put your, your head under the sheets. It's all good in the city. Well, it wasn't good in the city. Evil prevailed in that moment, didn't they? Unless, unless you're going to tell me that Joe Biden is of the good camp and he, he's, he's playing for God Almighty and that, you know, we had it all backwards. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's what we're looking at here. But unless you think that's the case, then that story, that narrative would make sense. So I think about it in these terms, and it really gets into it as you understand this notion of God being in control. I mean, the crossroads of our nation right now, uh, it's incredible where we are. You know, you know, not to be trite in this historical moment of time that we talked about. And okay, that well, that's starting to sound trite. Probably is. But you know, you think about all that's coming at us as a people, and then you know, 2016 was a moment where we all said to ourselves, "Well, if Hillary Clinton wins that, we're done as a country. We're done. We're done. We're not. It's not happening. We're not coming back." You know how many how many times you hear that at the water cooler? We're not coming back. It's done. Put a fork in it, Harry. It's over. Heard that a lot. You know? And that was going to happen in 2016. And then, well, God prevailed. God was in control. Trump won. Trump came out. Trump, now, I do believe Trump was a product of, of God. I believe that. And it's always, a, you know, <laughs> a lot of people on the left could not un understand well, Trump is not a religious person. What the hell's the matter with you? God, he isn't playing with God. Get out of here. A lot of people believe that. Christians on the left and the right were questioning where Trump fell in all this. But, you, you, you know, one thing I want to point out to you is God uses people that are very unsuspecting, very, very unsuspecting. Sometimes it's different people, different forms of, you know, the 
of life. And uh, it's a different denominator, I guess I would look at it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like when Jesus was here, he was walking with just all the highly saintly people and dealing with the, uh, you know, the people in power. Well, no, he was on the street with real people, having respect for real people. I mean, I learned that as a young lad. It's a lesson I learned from my mom, actually. Treat people well, Malcolm, whoever they are. And that's why I always did that. When I went in, I would treat the server at a restaurant like they were my best friends. And even when I went in with CEOs and they would think, well, because a lot of people don't treat people well like that. They think they're beneath them. But I don't look at life that way. That lesson I owe to my mom, who taught me as a young lad, is she always had her doors open on Sunday for dinner. That's Now you know where some of that comes from was my mom. You know, Isn't that where we come from, our family roots as kids and what we believe? And I learned that as a young lad, you see, uh, that you, you treat people with respect the way you want to be treated. No matter what they do in life is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what they do. Whether they're a CEO of a Fortune 100 company or a serve at a restaurant or a plumber, you know, treat them with respect. De common decency and respect for people of mankind. Just because they chose a profession that might be unique to what you might do, well, that's what makes the world go around. But they can do things you can't do. You know, right? right? Come on. So that's why, you know, let's level the playing field and let's look at all of us as I don't look at people as being high and mighty and they should be something else or different or whatever. I, I look at it differently. We're all God's creatures. We, we all are on the same level playing field. I always believe we need to treat people well, no matter what. That's why when I walk down the sidewalks of life, people, I always take the time, always, to say good morning, good afternoon. How are you? You know, it's just, uh, you know, or at least smile, wave, hello. How are you? If you're in a hurry, you're jogging, walking, running. You know, just take a moment. You know, that kindness doesn't cost. It's just being kind and considerate at the moment to meet thy fellow man. Uh, something beautiful about that. I love that. That's why I always do those talks about, you know, the sidewalks of life. But you never know who you're going to meet in the sidewalks of life, right? Uh, tr truth be told, right? Uh, it's, uh, uh, now, uh, I, but I digress. <laughs> Have to add that in there, right? Uh, so the swamp, uh, the, the moment in time that we're in, and you hear Dr. Latulip say, well, you know, you reference Revelations. Now, if you've never read Revelations, I mean, it, it, it can scare, it could scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Or well, maybe whatever context you want to put it in, but it's uh, when you really understand what's going on in the Bible and you understand what Revelations, uh, what it points out, it's, it's eye opening. If that is the game plan or the blueprint to what happens, which is what I pose to him, what would happen or what happens? Because America is not here. And you, and you notice how he hesitated when I, Kathy, let me ask you that question. Do you notice how, or it was I imagining that? It, it, maybe I imagined it. When I asked that question, I think twice to Dr. Latuda, did you notice there was a hesitation or was there in his response? Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd call it a hesitation more than a, uh, well, it was a hesitation, clear and simple, but uh, more as a care, uh, carefully thought out way to communicate it to a diverse audience. Sort of like a moment of reflection, maybe to reflect yourself before you talk. I looked at it as a bit of a quandary, like I threw him a curveball and I really don't know because, you know, that's a tough, you can't throw those kinds of questions at just anybody and they answer them eloquently, you know. Uh, he seems to me to be the type of person that wants to reach as many in the audience that he can. 
And uh, I took that more as uh, a way of him saying the answer uh, in, in, in that respect. In a more diplomatic way, you mean? In a way that would reach more people. More people, rather than like, I'm probably would be less diplomatic, right? I would be- pro- <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> As you chuckle, definitely. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> I would be probably be less diplomatic, much of the way. Now we both probably get the job done, but I, I've always been a bottom line kind of guy that way, Kath, you know? I don't know. No, I, I'm the same way, so I get it. Are that's you? Cool. All right, cool. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Well, maybe we're two sides of the penny then. We get along maybe well, that's why. <laughs> Be. With, the, with the other side of the penny, we have that out with the rest of them. But uh, anyways, uh, I, I see, Kathy, you see what I've drawn out here with the, the, the swap rising in this moment with the establishment. And put your mind around this a minute. Just wrap your mind around this and, and think about this. And then we'll, we'll talk more about this on the uh, just after the pause here, Kathy. And here's what I want to think about. It, it is that for everything to go the way it was going, as many people that said to us, we'll, number one, we'll have indictments. How many times you hear that? Right? And you all out there know what I'm talking about. Right? People will go to jail. I mean, we, it was said on this program from political and military officials both who felt they had skin in the game and knew what would take place. It was said here many times. And I was hopeful. Still, it was a piece of doubt in me. We've all become a bit cynical, haven't we? we? We've all become cynical in this way. We don't really know anymore. We, I guess better way to say is we have we lost confidence in the system? Yeah. Is that like a, it's one of those, <laughs> you're really asking that question? Have we lost confidence in the system? We have lost confidence in the system, haven't we, my fellow Americans? We have, haven't we? And we're losing hope and faith in the same time. And we're wondering who is really in control? Who's got their hands on the wheel of, of this uh, American uh, experiment? Who really does? The American people seem to be losing their grip. We seem no longer to have our hands on the wheel, right? I feel that way many days that we're losing our grip. So it, it is a multifaceted conversation when you think of God over here is in control of the big picture. Revelations over here tells a story. Donald Trump is over here trying to wrestle with the system, uh, wherever his marching orders are coming from. I would choose to say they're coming from God's direction, uh, not evil, even though he's not the typical presidential, doesn't look and act and feel presidential, which is why they're threatened by him. He doesn't go along to get along people. If you don't like it too bad, so sad. I mean, he'll tell you what avenue to get off. I get that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> like, is that a surprise to you? I get that. And, and so, you know, he tried to take down the whole system at times single-handedly because the American people weren't always there and had his back. Really? Yeah. And so that was happening. And then all of these attacks were against the swamp, like we were going to win this thing. Uh, well, as Kathy said, you know, it's going to be a landslide. Going to get another four years onto liberty. All right. On to liberty. It's all going to be good. I'm telling you right now. And all the, everybody felt that. A lot of people felt that. And then, boom. Now, the air was taken out of the room. 
The oxygen was no longer there anymore. We were stifling, just like they were in 2016 when people's mouths fell on the floor and it was showed Hillary Clinton will not be the next president. Wow. And now here we are. And Donald Trump wasn't the next president either. Evil had won. In the moment, evil had won. The Marxists had won. They had won. But, you know, another way to look at this, did they win the battle or the war? Ah, there it is. There it is. There it is. Did they win the battle or the war? And the war is, what's the plan again, Malcolm? Where's Revelations taking us? Are we supposed to fight? What do we do exactly? Is God in control over here? Does he have the back? And our evil forces, how much are they playing over here with the swamp? Do you see where I'm at now? Hmm? It's, it's almost like we just put out a massive game of chess. It's what I feel like. It's a multi-level global game of chess. Massive in size and scope. And now we look at all the chess players and we looked at, that really is profound now to me. It is at least to me. Now, how do we score ahead? How do we make this chess game play out the way we want it to play out? Now that we sit here in the year 2021 of our Lord here. Yeah. How do we make this chess game play out so that good does indeed prevail? Hmm. That, that, is, that is the thing we need to be asking ourselves, the quandary all the way along. I like what, where we just went with this. I like that quandary. And that's something I want to reference back to, this chess game that I see this multi-level global chess game, the size and scope we've never seen before, because right now evil won out in 2020 election and the swamp has back arisen and they've knocked good back down a few steps and they pushed Trump away and they pushed the American Christian conservative patriots away this way. And we're sort of catching our balance still. We're over here. We're off balance. Don't you feel like your circle, your friends, we still haven't caught our breath. We still haven't caught it. I mean, we don't really know. Like you, you wake up, and you say, did that really happen in the last? Yeah, it's like being sideswiped on the road on a boulevard somewhere. Yeah, that election happened and we lost. We're screwed. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? So there's your chess game right there. There's, there's what I pose to you. And now let's see if we can't come up with a master plan uh, to go checkmate to evil. Because what we really got to do here is we got to checkmate evil. If we do that, we, we, we make history. We, we make, if we checkmate evil, if we checkmate the swamp, the establishment, uh, we, we, we make history. We, we win. We make history. That's it. And that's pushing the swamp back. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, what does it mean? Now let's talk about that after the pause. I have a whole lot of thoughts as to what that means. Now let's talk about that. Uh, we'll take a quick pause here on The Voice of a Nation. I'll be back in just a moment here. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer 
is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Kathy Chamberlain. I so love that argument you just gave there, uh, or I should say challenge, uh, Malcolm, between uh, the battle or war. What are we in exactly? You are absolutely right on. Um, And it is a chess game, but I, I will tell you that our President Trump lost the first battle Uh, the day he entered the White House when he didn't drain the swamp right off the bat. And there is precedent to that, by the way. I remember when I was um, touring throughout D.C. uh, during his inauguration, actually, and uh, and and I went into the uh, the Lincoln, uh, what, the the Ford Theater there. And oh, my gosh, it was fascinating. If anybody gets in that uh, up in that area anytime soon, go check it out. I read every word I could in that museum. And one of the things I was most amazed at was one of the first actions that President Lincoln took when he first entered office was exactly that. He drained the swamp. He had the same, pretty much a similar problem that Trump had. And I think it was the number, if I recall, was about a thousand uh, top leaders in government. And he just kicked them all out. Uh, Our president did not do that. And it actually drove me crazy when he didn't do it. But, you know, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's why a lot of us out here just watching and and especially the military people who were uh, telling you malcolm and i was hearing a lot of the same stuff myself that indictments were coming and oh my gosh it was just so exciting when we'd hear it uh the biggest voice i think on that was sean hannity and at fox news and everybody was saying that these indictments were coming down well of course without our being able to see exactly what was going on uh, that Trump had access to. We kind of just kept holding our breath and waiting and waiting and waiting. But, you know, when we got to through that whole four years and and we actually got to uh, the election 2020, a lot of people I'm hearing right now saying, well, why didn't Trump do this? Why didn't he do that? But I'm sure you were talking about this as well, Malcolm. I did a lot of podcasting t- talking about how um, there there were executive orders that he wrote. Basically, everything he was doing appeared to set the stage to catch the buggers when they actually 
um, cheated him out of an election. That's why we were all shocked. There's we we went by the facts that were being presented to us at the time. And the, the thing everybody has to keep in mind here, we really do not know what this end game is yet. Uh, because right before the elections, what people forget is that there were a lot of lawsuits being filed against the, uh, the Democrats for bringing those, um, those consent decree decrees and also for changing their laws uh, illegally prior to the election. So those lawsuits were being filed before, but they were being kicked out, not for merit, once again, no, not for merit, but for standing or for various other reasons. And a lot of the judges at that time said, uh, there's no crime committed yet, so you can't file this lawsuit. Uh, for uh, for election fraud. So we held our breath until after the election, but there's still, there was a lot being done behind the scenes. Now, of course, we've witnessed the lawsuits after the fact, and it feels to many of us uh, who have been holding our breath for four years that, what do we do? Just give up? But you know something, Malcolm, when you were talking about all that, it it, it entered my mind that not every one of us is on the same timeline of awakening. You and I and many in this audience and many around the country, uh, we were awakened well before uh, President Trump was even elected the first, you know, in 2016. And I should say the first time because he was definitely elected the second time as well. Yeah. Um, but we were awakened. Awakened way before even uh, Obama was first put in uh, back in 08, uh, elected in 08. And so we have been holding our breath for literally 12 years, 13. That's right. Going on, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Because what, what happened is we seen the writing on the wall already, Kathy, back then. And what that's how Trump won in 2016. Patriots, they, they were rising, correct? Right? Patriots mm -hmm. were rising. Uh, conservatives were rising. And people realized the trajectory of America was in dangerous territory. That's after right. Eight years of Obama, for sure. And we realized with four years of Hillary, all the things we would not have known, we would never have known, uh, Kathy, because it would have been 12 years of the same administration. So let's, let's juxtaposition all that, Kathy. If you look at those four years, that Trump was in there, he reversed a lot of policies. He, he made it great for a lot of people. Well, making America great again was the message uh, in the campaign. But then a lot of people felt, well, he would need four more years to do that. You'd have to give the guy eight years. Now, Trump didn't know the system. He didn't know how the system would play. He didn't know it. Remember, he was not an insider, Kathy. He was an outsider. Right. Yeah. He didn't even know where, you, you know, I always remember the scene. Do you remember the scene, one of the first times he went to Washington, D.C. after his victory? Do you remember he was on the balcony with uh, Paul Ryan, in fact, uh, Secretary of State at that yes. point, correct? And remember Paul Ryan was pointing things out to him in the neighborhood, like, like over there with his fingers, like I'm doing right now, right? He was gesturing there and there. Remember that scene? You know, I do. 
And it's, it's etched in my mind. I reference that all the time. He was a novice who went to D.C. who didn't even know the lay of the land. Wasn't Mitch McConnell there that day, too, on the balcony? Yeah, he was there somewhere close by. But that picture I remember that's etched is Paul I, Ryan. I thought it was on the balcony. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, exactly at, right. And Trump. And it's etched in my mind as that's how much of a novice Donald Trump was. Like, okay, here's, you know, this is where this is, this is, this is. It, it, like, he was not an insider. He didn't know where the lay of the land was. He did. So here's the, here's the challenge. He didn't know really how politics played out in Washington. He really didn't understand it. And then when he took all of those things that he's seen, and one of one of the one of the downcoming of this whole thing, Kathy, is when he got. I think he. You know, I, let me just put this caveat out there, but I think he said too much too openly on. Uh, on on Twitter or social media, it doesn't matter how he did it or what what he used. But I think he what I what I'm going to say to you is I think and this worried me when it happened. By the way, I think he empowered the enemy. They knew too much of what they 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 knew too much about too much, and because he empowered them with all this information of how he really felt on the feed. Whereas there are a lot of times I wish he would have held back and not delivered that information. He was trying to be a uh, transparent. But transparent to the enemy goes against Sun Tzu in the art of war. And it's not how you win the race. You have to do it in, in, a, in a different fashion. Does that make any sense to you? I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. And the reason I am, a chapter eight in my book is called Trick or Tweet. Okay. By the way. Tell me. And, and I go into a whole psychological background about t- uh, tweeting and all that. But uh, one of the things that I find, and I agree with you about the transparency, But our country is so close to going over the edge to communism that we needed a really hard shakening up. Now, whether that's what Trump was doing intentionally. Oh, he was. He was. He was. Yeah. Right. Now, you think about how many people voted for Trump in 2016 in comparison, if we we're able to get to the real numbers. I think it's closer to 90 million, to be honest with you. But if, you know, you look at that difference, that means all those people have shifted over to the truth in a short period of four years. And that happened because Trump was an in-your-face on Twitter day after day. Okay, so let me take it from there now and say to you this. So, all right. It's one thing to be in your face. I have no problem with the directness of anybody uh, whatsoever. Uh, and uh, that is not it. But and, uh, what you said out there makes sense because that's what a lot of people objected to. You're right, where he, he's not presidential. Yeah, that's not even my argument, really. My argument is more in strategy. When you empower the enemy with all of the facts and data or how you think, how you're going to act and what you're doing, you give them all that information up front. You've now empowered them. So then you ask yourself this, Kathy. Let's ask ourselves this question. How did the swamp, how did the Marxist creatures that they are, when you just referenced we're ter- we are very close to communism, you're, you're accurate. So how did they part the Red Sea? How did they take down an election? If everything is true or even close to true of what you put out, if he did get 80 million votes, 90 million votes, whatever it is, if he rightfully won the election, which conservatives believe he did. Okay. If that's all true, when you look at all of the things Navarro points out and all of the things that would have happened to have to go properly right. And keep in mind, 
all the people who would have had to been in on that secret, Kathy. Well, think of all the people who would have to be in on these secrets. But to pull that well-orchestrated plan off, now you're talking a, a conspiracy to the point which, and by the way, a conspiracy is just a plan of action. Now, I'm not talking about a theorist. This is a real conspiracy, a real conspiracy. It's a plan to bring to action. If all that was going to happen, right, in order to take Trump out because they couldn't get him out through impeachment, they couldn't get him out through Mueller, they couldn't get him out through Russia, Ukraine, China, anywhere else. So let's use this. And if you really look at all of that, Kathy, so how could they have done that? Well, I think in a really weird sort of way, they did that a lot of the way through they knew how Trump thought. They knew how he acted. They knew he they felt he was reckless. And the fact that so much information got out there, they it's like a chess game. They knew how to move the pawns and they knew how to move the, the knights and the rooks. And they were moving things along the board to outsmart the swap outsmarted the concern. This 2020, this happens, Kathy. You're not going to like this or maybe you will uh, admit this is true. The swamp outsmarted patriots and conservatives in 2020. You agree with that? Well, see, you're looking at, at it through the lens of empowering his enemy, his transparency empowering. But do you agree with what I said there? Did they well, out, did they, yeah. they won, they won. They outsmarted us, Kathy. They, definitely, beat, they yes. beat our asses every day to Sunday. Okay, yes. they, they won. They outsmarted us, Kathy. Now, if they won and they outsmarted us, how did they do that? Well, we had to give them a lot of information. Like if they didn't know everywhere, every which way to Sunday, that's where I think the danger was of being too much. Uh, um, sometimes there's a point that don't you think sometimes if you really play Sun Tzu out, don't you think sometimes you have to keep your cards or your chess play close at hand? You don't let the chess player or the enemy know what you're going to do. Yes, there's no question about that. And what I was going to say is that you're looking at it as though it's empowering his enemy, his transparency. Well, how else could they have done what they did, Kathy? But I'm looking at it as though his his transparency, which was a weakness, I agree. But how about looking at it like that is actually now empowering a many sheep that were lost because they are seeing the evil by the response to his wanting to be transparent with the American people. So he actually ingratiated himself to so many people who would not have looked at him because of the way the left treated him. He gained supporters because he was able to show people without realizing he was. But doing why it. didn't we win then? We're, we are not at the end game yet, Malcolm. I I am still very uh, open about that and very hopeful about that. We are gaining new uh, 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 open people. I mean, they are people are opening to the truth every single day. Do you not see? This is the power of what Trump has done for this country. We had to wake up. We are going over the edge, but the only thing that's going to save us from communism, if everything had, had gone along just the same as always, and even if Trump had won, I'm not sure that people would have awakened to the evil in this country that they're now seeing. Look at what just happened with Governor Cuomo. 
Uh, I mean, uh, well, Governor Cuomo too, but look at the evil that's, that is being uncovered right now. Rudy Giuliani is who I was um, uh, referring to, what they just did to him uh, in that uh, nightly storm in the middle of the morning, like they did Roger right. Stone. Right. People are seeing this and getting angry about it. And that's what it takes to wake a lot of these sleepers up. But don't you think they should have been angry already? Oh, my gosh, yes. How much angry do we need before we kick back is what I wonder, huh? Well, no, because here again, it's all timing. We're on different timelines than these people. They're just angry for the first time. What I'm seeing out there, by the way, with patriots, okay, you've got your your patriots that are just coming into the fold and activating. And then you've got your patriots that have been activated for four plus years. And it's those of us who have been activated for that amount of time that are, are almost drifting off. It's like, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm done with spending my energy. When you have this entirely new, fresh blood of patriots coming in to the fold, and they're the energized ones. And we look at them as though, where the hell have you been all this time? But we should instead embrace that and allow it to re-energize us and continue growing in numbers. Uh, That's the only way we're going to win. Interesting. I I don't disagree or discount any of that Um, because to win, we've got to empower people, which is really the importance of this message today, Kathy. Um, Back to where we started, is God in control? And I like the way we've elevated this and moved the ball around a little bit here. I want to talk to you specifically at this moment about the battle versus the war that I put out uh, just a little bit earlier here in the second hour, Kathy, okay? I'd love to. Yeah. And this, this idea of the battle and the war, it's, it's this. So if these are all battles onto the end game that we talked about with Dr. Latula earlier and that end game right there and the battle of 2016 evil with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, that was a battle. Okay. Good prevail there. All of those next four years, evil fought like hell back. Think of how many times evil sucker punched us, Kathy. Right. Correct. How many. many how yes. many times we got sucker punched waiting for Mueller, waiting for Russia, waiting oh for goodness. Ukraine, waiting for impeachment, waiting for exhausting. It was hard for this uh, administration to do anything productive. And we still wonder how the hell did he get anything done, which yes. still rattles the mind, Kathy. Come on. And so all that happened there. So that was, you know, the, the swamp establishment. Evil forces punching and pushing back. OK. Move the ball along another moment in time, 2020. I heard everybody in our circles here saying, well, this is it. If we, and how many, and I'll tell you, I could shake a stick, people. I, I'd be a wealthy man if you gave me $1, just $1 for every person in my circle who said to me, if we don't win 2020, the country's through. Put a fork in it. Over, done. America's done. How many times did you hear that, Kathy? Plenty. I said it myself. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being honest. How many times that was said in 2020? That was the reaction people felt. And they felt it in their hearts and their souls, knowing that, okay, the game's going to get much more challenging now. Now we get past that, Kathy. Now we're into a different... Now, here's what I'm saying. We're into a different level chess game now. You see, you know how I laid out all those players earlier? 
Yeah, brilliant. I loved it. We're in a different level chess game now. The whole game has risen, the stakes, which is why I was sort of throwing those curveballs at Dr. Latula early on in the program. And if you miss that, people, like Kathy said, a very empowered first hour of the program, go back and hear it. Right, Kathy? Yes, yes. I, I was impressed. I loved being a part of it. Yeah, it was terrific. It was incredible. And we've really peeled the onion here today in very interesting ways. But it makes us think, people, because if we're going to solve these problems, we've got to get up. We really got to get past, I, you know, I usually play this ball game with you every day at 35,000 feet. But there are days like today, I like to get up to 50,000 feet. And that's where we are here now when I talk about the level chess game we had. The swamp has arisen. The establishment is there. They took us down in 2020. The bastards won. It's the best I can say it, Kathy. The bastards won. Okay. That was 2020. Now, they only won the battle. They didn't win the war, Kathy. Right. And even though That's we fell, right. but, but a lot of people didn't agree with that, Kathy, you yourself included, as you just admitted, a lot of people, most conservatives, patriots, Republicans, they felt, well, if we lose 2020, it's the war. We're over. We're screwed. We're blue. Put a, put a fork in it. It's over. And I heard that so many times. Yeah. And, and you said it here, you admitted it yourself. Yeah, and so absolutely. that's what was said. So we really felt that in our hearts. So that means the stakes of the game have gotten that much more serious now. And here we are. Now we're at this interesting moment in time. And we look now at uh, people to question, how does Donald Trump figure into this new, this, what's gotta happen next, the new, the new plan? Because the it's gotta be a new plan, Kathy. And the new plan has to be for 2022, first, first and foremost, can't take your eye off the ball there, and then 2024. But before 2024 happens, you have to deal with the House and the Senate, correct? Oh, uh, yes, definitely. That's a priority because if these people have the power any much longer, it's going to we're going to look like we were melting on the Wizard of Oz there when that cast of characters and the spell was put out. And we all felt like we were melting like the witch was right. Yes. We're going to be melting, Kathy. <laughs> and that's going to be another version of this chess game that's going to be pretty horrific. So then we got to step back and say, OK, and, and looking at Trump, you know, I really like number 45. I liked Donald Trump a lot. Truth be told, Kathy, and let me confess with you right now. I loved Donald Trump and what he did for the country, number 45. But then again, Kathy, I love number 40, Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I can't, I, I, I adored that era, living through that era of Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. with uh, just all of it. Margaret Thatcher, Mikhail Gorbachev, Pope John Paul, tear down this wall, changing the world, evil forces, stand down, stand down. We will prevail. He brought patriotism back, Ronald Reagan. It felt good to be an American again. It was good to stand up for the flag. It was good to put your hand on the heart. And then we went to hell in a handbag real fast. It got ugly. We had what I call doofus number one, Bush number one, Clinton, Bush number two, doofus number two. And then we had Obama eight years. We had about close to 30 years of, uh, I think, a train wreck of leadership, Kathy. About 30 years well, that played into this globalist agenda. And I think Republicans screwed up as much as Democrats did. I mean, I was a liberal back in the day when 40 was around. So I I come come at this from a, a little bit different perspective. God, I forget that all the time that you tell me that. And I forget that you were part of the enemy before. Oh, my God. <laughs> Put the cross up. Oh, man. I oh, can't you, believe it. 
that does that does play into what we were talking about <laughs> earlier, though, as far as how everybody's timing is different. Yeah. You know, I got to this moment uh, later than you did, and yet it doesn't make me any less passionate. But there are people that just two years ago jumped on the the, the you know uh, the red pill wagon, mm -hmm. if uh, so so many call it. Um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely, Kathy, that's interesting. I always forget you're such a passionate conservative patriot. I cannot wrap my arms or head around the fact that you were a left leaning, bleeding Marxist, liberal, progressive sob. I wouldn't call, I wouldn't go so far. <laughs> I was never that. All right. All right. All right. All right. Go ahead. What were you? What were you? In fact, you know, I explained this in my book too. There's a big difference between the left and liberals. Yeah. A lot of people don't differentiate, but it is important to make that distinction. Now it doesn't mean a, a liberal can't be a leftist, uh, but not all leftists, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are liberals. Your point uh, is taken. Your point is taken. Yeah. Right. And they take the context of the words. Uh, you're so right. You're so right. We, we, we want to work with the left of centers, those, those li liberal minded people. Absolutely. We don't want to work with the Marxists, correct? That is 100% correct. And that's the battle again with the, with the war and the battle that we're talking about here. Interesting. Uh, I, you know, ahead, I want to plan a day where we, uh, let, let's pick, you know, with listeners right now, let's pick a rainy day ahead, Kathy, where instead of crawling up with a good book, you and I will crawl up with our audience and we'll talk about your liberal days and how you were there, okay? I would love that. Yeah, because it is a great, uh, um, yeah. you know, I, I am who I am today uh, because I was a flaming liberal mm, and wow. I can, I can actually understand where they come from. It's why I yeah. wrote my book. I yeah. studied that book as a liberal. Yeah. Otherwise, I may never have even known about it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love the way she puts it out there and says, flaming liberal. <laughs> oh, man, that's even juicier, isn't it, people? Not just liberal, flaming liberal. That's like, wow, that's on somebody on fire for the movement. Uh, one day... We're going to take a, a, a moment when, uh, you know, you, you always reference those rainy days and we'll get on with Kathy and we'll talk because it, it is a case study. What I would present to you is it's a case study of our grand plan. If we're going to take and peel that to say, how do we get to those people like Kathy that are passionate Americans who she is, was and is. Right. And then how do we take that? And, uh, and make that into this movement of loving uh, this country as we do and saving our nation. That's, that's the tall order for us. Uh, we have an incredible order ahead here. Uh, marching orders, if you would, uh, is, is I would speak as a messenger here uh, in the fight of good and evil uh, for God's camp, uh, for the fight of good. Um, you know, and uh, I find ourselves in a very precarious place. It is a master chess game that has been played out in this fight. I gave you a lot to think about today that we all should really give some thought to. Go back and listen to this again on podcast, if you're hearing it on talk radio, please. And make some points and some tips out of the program. Email me, for sure, at liberty at americaoutloud.com. I'd love to hear from you. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. And give me your thoughts of the talk itself. Uh, the thoughts of what we set up front with Dr. Stephen Latula and the contributions of Team Nation with Dr. Lee for America and uh, Kathy Chamberlain. Um, very, very interesting. It's a great way to uh, start a beautiful week off and uh, to do some amazing things with you ahead here. Um, listen, five 
five o'clock, five to seven Eastern time now is the voice of a nation. Catch all the shows right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio and on podcast, America Out Loud Podcast Network, uh, all the all the networks, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, uh, you name it, we're on all of those networks there. Uh, my fellow Americans, we are on a mission to restore the glory of God and the glory of uh, America. Back and shine that brass up and get rid of the tarnish. We're on a mission here. We thank you as always for joining here and being part of this mission. God bless you. As I say, it's time to get involved and get loud.